That criminal thought has been there. It's secretly fostered in your heart. And the hour of opportunity revealed it gathered power. Circumstance does not make the man. It reveals him to himself. I love this insight because it underscores the truth of the power of thought. If not managed properly, thoughts can lead to compromise and defeat. They can also lead you to victory. Okay, good morning, everybody. This is Tony Fleming. This is our 8 a.m. Eastern Book Club call. We do this call every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern, and we call it the book of the moment, not book of the month, because we read our books past the month. <laughs> well, kind of. I think we're a little slow on ordering our books. So if you order in your books instead of walking in Barnes & Noble like old school, or you can't find the order, then it might take a little longer. So that's why we always go past the month and give you time to actually read it instead of rushing because, you know, people are doing a lot of things these days. So, so we call it the book of the moment. And the book of the moment is T.J. Hoisington, If You Think You Can, 13 Laws That Govern Performance of High Achievers. I love this book. Love it because it's straight to the point. The simplicity of it is the easy read, and um, I just love it because it, it it changed my life the first time I read it, and I think this is our third reading of it. I don't know how many times I actually read it myself, but, you know, when I went through the book, it just, and today I'm going to talk about something today that really, really helped change me, um, um, this fourth chapter. Now I skipped over a couple of chapters. I'm gonna come back to some of this stuff, uh, but I just want to talk about this fourth chapter today because it really, really as um, you know, as my uh, the older generation. You know, y'all guys that are older. You know, us Generation X guys. Uh, I don't know what generation this is, but <laughs> you know the 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 the. Um, the slogan or the phrase or the term that said, it blessed me. <laughs> it really did. It blessed me. That, this fourth chapter. <laughs> when people say that, sometimes I'm looking like, uh, uh, can you expound on that a little bit? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> but I'm going to say it. It blessed me. This fourth chapter we're going to get to. All right, though. But before we get to that, uh, something that we do every Saturday morning and have been doing this for years and years and years. I remember when my partner put this clip together, I actually sent him some stuff and I said, I mean, and bless, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, rest in peace. Because my guy who made this clip for me, you know, uh, it's hard for me to even say, man. It's probably about, it's been now four and a half years. This dude was gunned down <clears throat> on Martin Luther King weekend down in um, Anniston, Alabama. These two guys with these rebel flags got to arguing with him at a gas station. And then they followed him home, hid in the bushes. And when he pulled up, 
they came out the bushes firing on him. <clears throat> and to this day, that court case is still not even, it, it's been dragging out for, I don't know how long. It's been four years. Um, been literally four years uh, that <clears throat> when this happened, maybe a little bit long. I was talking to his sister the other day saying, what in the world? And the two guys had connections at the at the city uh, police department. I think some of those guys worked there when they were younger or something. And uh, it's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, man. We'll let you know if you don't have money, you know, uh, a lot of stuff could be held up and, um, you know, totally pushed back to a point where, I don't know, whenever it starts, that people not going to even, I, I don't know. But he put this clip together for me because I met him at a meeting. He came up to me. He said, man, I like your stuff. I like everything you're doing. You know, I do editing. I do this. I do that. He says, uh, I used to do uh, rap music. He said, I still do a little bit, but I realized that that's not going to get me where I want to get to. He said, you know, let me help you. Let me partner with you and let me do some stuff and show you what I can do and all this. And he, you know, he had a little studio in his in his home and I used to go down there and boy, he would listen to every little thing. Man, you hear that chair squeaking right there? We got to cut that out. I can see, I got to edit that out. You need to squeak, you need to, what you say, you need to put some WD-40 on your chair, man. I said, man, nobody hear that but you. That's all right. I hear it. And he would, I mean, edit everything, clean, cleaned up everything. He would just, he was just anal like that. And, uh, um, uh, I, I remember I got the phone call. The guy was gunned down, man. I'm like, God, dog. I just went to the funeral, and I just knew this was going to be an open shut case, and it still hasn't, because these people got contacts, and his family didn't have any money, and you know, that's how it works. Sad story to start the call off with, but. I'm thinking I'm just thinking about him when I get when I got ready to put this because I, I just told him what I wanted to do. And he put this clip together. He went out on YouTube and grabbed, you know, different audios and videos from people. And then he told me who to use to. Uh, well, I tell you what, we do this every Saturday morning. So let me go and play this and then we'll come back. Warren Buffett once said, the more you learn, the more you earn. Warren Buffett, one of the wealthiest humans on the planet, is famous for reading more than five hours every day. Bill Gates reads one book per week. Mark Cuban, three hours a day. Oprah, well, she's just obsessed with books. Notice a common theme here? Successful people never stop learning. You're trying to get your freedom. You're trying to learn how to read. You're trying to escape. Uh-uh. It's Saturday and it's 8 a.m., folks. It's that time. Time for the 8 a.m. Blog Talk Book Club. Let's go, folks. It's time to stimulate the mind. Time to hear thought-provoking words. When we read, your imagination improves. You become smarter. It reduces the stress. Yes, that's right. It reduces the stress. Let's go, folks.
All right. So uh, the chapter I'm coming from today will be. Uh, oh, I chipped. Oh, OK. I skipped all the way over chapter five, um, which, is, which is master your thinking. And that's law number four. <clears throat> Excuse me. He has 13 laws in here. And that's law number four, uh, which is master your thinking. So let's start with that. The quality of your thinking, the thoughts and the beliefs you entertain will make all the difference in the quality of your life, period. There have been extensive writings on this subject that date back thousands of years. All achievement or defeat is born in the moment of thought. Managing this powerful yet subtle force may be your greatest accomplishment in life. Whatever thoughts you allow to dominate your mind will have a direct impact on what you attract into your life. Like a magnet, each person attracts into his life the people and circumstances that harmonize with his most dominating thoughts. Now, you... You remember me talking about, and you you know, not remember, but you hear me talk about this all the time, almost every day on this call or any the mindset calls. And I always make this statement that if you still are hanging around your friends that you've been knowing for years, and those particular friends or relatives are not advancing like you, they're not reading books like you. They're not growing like you. They're not separating. Well, I see. I don't know yet if that's what you're doing, but they're not doing certain things that you're doing to that where you have started a new you, a new growth period. If you're still hanging around those people, what it says is you hadn't grown enough. Now, it also holds you back from growing, too, because he says here. Like a magnet, each person attracts into his life the people and circumstances that harmonize, harmonize. You know how harmonizing a song, everybody's singing the same, you know, they're harmonizing, like, say, boys and men. And, and so the ones that harmonize with your dominating thoughts, those are the ones you're going to be around. See, it's hard for me to even be around some old guys that I know that I grew up with, even though I love them. They're my neighborhood people. We grew up together. Uh, even some family members grew up together, love them, family. But we don't have harmonizing thoughts. My thoughts have advanced. My thoughts have grown. I, I, I'm a different person from the books that I've read, from the new people that I hang around, from all, so I'm different. As as um, who said that? Two two chains. <laughs> I think there's two chains. Pull up to the scene with my silly missing. I'm different. I'm different. So when you're different, that doesn't mean that you're uh, above people. That doesn't mean that you better than somebody. No, it just means that you're different now and different people hang together with, you know, like weed smokers hang together with weed smokers. <laughs> he says a bad example. <laughs> I just heard the interview with Mike Tyson. You know, Mike Tyson has a, um, Medicinal, medicinal, medicinal. Well, I don't know, tearing that word up. Y'all know what I'm saying. <laughs> weed, 
business. So he the weed guy now. And uh, he was on a late night talk show. And I saw the clip on YouTube where uh, I think it was Jimmy. I don't know the guy's name. But so he asked Mike, you know, where you been? Mike said, I've been in someplace called, uh, I want to say Holly Hills or it might not be Holly Hill. It's, it might be a drug name in front of it or something like that. And he asked the audience, he said, y'all know what that is? And everybody else said no. And then he asked, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel. I think that's what it was. He said, no. He said, well, it's a and he's a place in California. It's in your state, Mike said. He said, I just left there and it was 65,000 of us all at one time smoking weed. <laughs> they were harmonizing. They were together. They were harmonizing. And Jimmy Kimmel said, well, Mike, you sure 65,000 people? Mike posed for a minute. He said, well, it might have been 64,000. <laughs> Not sure. But it was a bunch of us up there smoking weed. So uh, they were harmonizing. Same thoughts. Let's get high. You know, watch the sky blue. Let's get high. <laughs> Man, I digress. All right, let's get back. But dominating thoughts. So I do my best to be around people for that for a period of time that thoughts are harmonizing with mine. Now, do I have to get around other people? I mean, it cannot, I can't just dodge everybody. But my time is limited when I'm around those individuals. I got to move. I'm sticking and moving. I'm already letting them know when I come in, I'm leaving out. I'm already letting them know when I get on the call, I got another call to get on. You know, I got five minutes. What are we going to talk about or something? I got, I, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I'm just kind of in a hurry. I got to run in here for a minute and get out. I got, I'm letting them know from the get. I'm not hanging around this because we're not harmonizing. Now, if we were harmonizing, I would sit there all day. And so you think to yourself, who are you harmonizing with? Is this the same people that you say you love? And I just want to be around because I love them. No. Special announcement. Special announcement. Hold on. Breaking news. It ain't that you love them. It's just that your thoughts harmonize together. You hadn't grown yet. Because even if you loved them and you were growing, you would love them from afar. <laughs> you couldn't sit in there and listen to that. It would drive you nuts, especially after you had grown. But if you haven't, that means you're still in that same thought process and y'all still are harmonizing. It's rarely a lot of people that I just sit down with and hang out with it is a rarity. I mean, I talk to you guys on the calls, on the Zooms and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I do some extended training, helping some people who want to, you know, grow. But outside of that, it may be two or three guys, I'll say four at the most, that I talk to even outside of our business. That, you know, some guys that I grew up with that has grown also, that I can have a conversation with them and we, we can be on the same page and we can do all those things. But besides that, I'm getting on the phone with you letting you know I'm getting off. 
I'm walking in your house or you walk, you coming to see me. I'm letting you know, uh, it ain't going to be long. <laughs> so Napoleon Hill made it clear after his classic study of successful people that thought impulses immediately begin to translate themselves into their physical equivalent, whether those thoughts are voluntary or involuntary. So our thoughts translates into physical equipment, like, like the stuff we've been thinking for years. It, okay. What you've been thinking, I'll say the last five years, have you where you are today, wherever you are today, if it's in a good space, bad space, great financial space, an awful financial space, you know, good bills, I guess, or bills are paid or bills are not, whatever you are at this particular time, that came from five years ago, 10 years ago, 20, of thinking, the things that you've been thinking. See, your thoughts become physical equivalent. You'd be wondering, well, how this happened to me and why this happened to me and all this, you know, you know, 90%, 95% is our thoughts. You know, do you have accidents and stuff do happen like that? I got a partner who don't believe none of that accident. He said everything, everything is thought and reaction. And, you know, the, the, phys the physical part of it shows up. So look around where you are and look around and they'll tell you your thoughts. Now, five years from now, look around also and just not just look around where you are living, but look around at your accounts, look around at your everything that you've done in life. Now, that's hard. Because we want to justify because, you know, a lot of things is because we're at some people who are educated and they feel like that's good. I got my my BA and my PhD and my whatever. And then you think you start thinking about your checking account, start thinking about your surroundings, start thinking about a lot of things you wonder. Well, it can't be that. It can't be me because I've done everything I was supposed to do. No, you, you've done everything the school system and society and the cult that we grew up in said you're supposed to do. And if you've done all those things, those things now create a job for you. If you have a job, there's a strong possibility that you don't have enough to do what you need to do. Even if you had a business, there's a strong possibility. But when you say, I've done everything I'm supposed to do, no, there's something else you didn't do. And this is what we talk about every morning on our mindset calls, but every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and we talk about in the book club. Your zip code that you grew up in, the people that you hung around at that time, you know, when you from the womb, it's a commercial out now. I saw that and it's talking about, you know, um, um, you know, life uh, it's, it's something that was from California talking about that, uh, you know, no abortions because the baby is already living. Uh, and I think that's somebody else's choice or whatever. But that's true. The baby is living and hearing and hearing stuff. And it showed, you know, like the baby is hearing the nine months that you're carrying that baby. It hears the language you use it. It hears the negativity that you have in your life. It feels the negativity. It feels 
the drugs you're using. It fills the arguments that you're having in that household where you grew up in while you while you pregnant and carrying the baby. It hears all that. Now, on the flip side, if you grew up in a wealthy neighborhood and this it's going to hear everything that's said too about money. It's going to hear about all kind of stuff. It's going it, it won't it probably won't hear no arguments about money, but it's going to hear something else. But in, in our neighborhoods, in our zip codes, it's going to hear the arguments about money. And then when it comes out the womb, the first seven years is the time that it's a clean slate on your mind. So whatever you hear between the time that you was a baby or in the womb to seven years old is still locked in your mind. See, the school system hadn't talked about that. We didn't go through classes. We just talked about, you know, George Washington chopped down the cherry tree with his white wig on and Abe Lincoln, you know, said he wouldn't tell a lie. And he, he would, he walked 25 miles to return a court or something. You know, that's the stuff that we heard. And, and, um, um, it wasn't, Hey, uh, let's talk about the inner person. Let's talk about you, the things that have been programmed in you. Cause I mean, you go to the inner city schools and kids would come there, you know, same clothes on every day, no food, no, you know, just in a bad situation. And that was between, you know, the wound and age seven, eight, nine. And they sitting there. That's why they could test fourth graders and know how many prisons to build, because they already know what your thoughts are. And they also know this, that you're not going to address those thoughts from this, like, like this book club here and the books that we read and all those things. They know that's not going to happen. You know why they know that? Because they start controlling us at an early age to focus us on passing these tests to get what they call smarter so that they can get you and go hire you and they can get you and put you to work for them. Their goal is not for you to start thinking about your, your inner thoughts and how you were raised and the things that you heard as a kid and, you know, all that kind of stuff that, you know, we don't supposed to make it here. We don't supposed to do this. And, you know, the world's not made for us and, uh, you know, evil people are rich and all the things that you heard. We think because we've moved on in life that that stuff is not there anymore. It's still there. You have to go and, and start pulling up some of them thoughts through books like this. And like when I started reading the autobiographies of wealthy people, I started thinking to myself, we, we didn't talk like that in our neighborhood. Now, up to that point, I thought everybody talked that way. Because everybody I was around did talk that way. We all said the same stuff. So then I started reading, because uh, yeah, I didn't know any wealthy people to go over their house and talk with them. So I started reading all the information that wealthy people put in books. And I'm like, oh, this is a whole different conversation. This is a whole different thought process. This is a whole different I ain't concerned about my bills or none of that. Then you go into our zip codes. See, all that is on us and we don't realize that because we've been, what do they say, bamboozled, run amok, run astray or something. We are so happy to go through the system that was put together for us that we don't realize what's really going on. 
as Marvin Gaye says. Now, I don't knock a job. I think people should have a job. I think people should get money to get, you know, to pay their bills and stuff. But I also think people need to start changing their thought process. I love how Dr. Mackey said, I need to get him on a Zoom or something because Mackey would say something like, "We, you didn't go to school just to get a degree to go work. You, get, you went to school to start thinking on what you can do with that and move on. You know, I, I, I'm really messing up his quote. <laughs> I need to get him to do it. He's a guy with four degrees. But that the point is, Everything we've done throughout what the world says we should do, people have done it. Even if you didn't go to school, you went, got you a good job or you went to the military. You went somewhere. But so you didn't think about all you thinking is I moved out of that neighborhood and I'm, you know, I'm somewhere else. But no, what you need to be thinking about, that neighborhood is still in you. Those thoughts are still in you. They bury deep down inside somewhere. And every time it comes where it's time to take a risk or you start thinking about something you need to do and you don't have it, you start thinking. And that's those thoughts start coming up saying, see, told you you're not supposed to, you know. We got to override those thoughts. That's why this chapter is called Master Your Thinking. And I tell you, when I read it, man, it hit me different. You know how you know what's the saying that it hits different like when they get paid on Friday, you Friday hits different or something. That this hits different. It hit me different when I first read it. Even though I had read other books, I had read a lot of other deep books. But I think those books were preparing me for this to hit me. Because it hit me. So Emerson says, We are what we think about all day long. And Proverbs says that too, by the way. <laughs> you get Proverbs. Is, as, as, is that plagiarism? So, <laughs> well, Emerson probably said they didn't say it exactly like that. Proverbs didn't say it exactly like that, but that's what it meant. If you allow garbage in, garbage is bound to come out. If you let good thoughts dominate your mind, good is likely to come out your way. Like attracts like. If your mind is dominated by thoughts of poverty, you will attract poverty into your life. If your mind is dominated by thoughts of anger, you are more likely to be angry. If you allow thoughts of small achievement to run rampant through your mind, you will achieve the small things in life. The playwright Victor Hugo said, and Victor Hugo also is the guy who wrote the book. Uh, what was the book? Uh, we read that on the book club years back maybe even 10 years ago and I still flip through it um, he wrote it when these you know he was captured in a, the enemy camp and doing wartime and he, he they had him in there uh, search for meaning that's it Victor Hugo's man search for meeting meaning uh, but he says here Victor Hugo says um, a small man is made up of small thoughts on the other hand if your mind is dominated by your dreams and goals, then you are bound to attract those dreams and goals into your life. Now, I mean, check that out. Victor Hugo was the guy who sat through that through that uh, prison camp and made it out of there uh, after about maybe seven, eight years, I guess. I don't know how long it was, but it was straight torture in there. Stripped them naked, they outside working naked, zero degree weather, beat them down, 
I mean, just barely fed him. I think two of his partners died that were in there with him. But he talked about how he would sit up and think about where he would be and what he would be doing once he get out of there. He talks about it in that book, Man's Search for Meaning, how he would look around and everybody around him would just be beat up and bruised and raggedy clothes. Like you wear one shirt until the shirt just, you know, you wear it every day until the shirt just finally tears off and just wears off of you. He talked about how he would sit around and look at that. And then he would, you know, close his eyes and visualize himself living, you know, back in America, visualize himself playing golf on the golf course. He said he would visualize playing 18 rounds in his head, sitting right down the middle of that hell hole that he was in. Right in the middle of the hell hole. You know how we say, well, it's kind of hard to visualize and, you know, we got people in the house and we got folks, you know, in our neighborhoods and all that. And I, and I get it. I get it. And I know how hard it is because I always say that anybody who got out of that and, and doing something. Now, here's a problem with that, a challenge with that. What do you mean get out of that, Tony? Because see, what we say is, well, Tony, I'm out of that. I got me a good job. I had to move across town. I ain't in that mess no more. Well, it's still in you, though. They need to get that out of you or get that out of me and get that out of it. Because when he finally was released from prison, he went and he beat a couple of his friends on the golf course and they saying, man, you ain't been out here in eight, nine years. You ain't played. He said, yes, I have. I played in my mind every day in that hell hole I was in. I visualized myself doing this every single day while I was sitting there in the cold. In the, I, I took my, see, they can take his body, he said, but they couldn't take my mind. You couldn't take my mind. You can take my body. So when you hear something like that or see something like that, y'all know you, you got to be thinking, man, I know I can visualize too now. 